Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. We are officially one weekend to the release of set three into the Inklands, and we are going to be starting to review the starter decks that came out with this set, starting this week with Ruby Sapphire. And so, Dalton, I want to hear your first impression on this deck list, because we always like to take the starter decks play them as is, and then deconstruct them. But before we do, we always like to get a feel for what they're trying to do with it. So what was your first impression? So I liked playing this one. It was pretty mid-rangey, which is kind of my style. I think this is the case with a lot of the Star Decks, is that they're not very focused and have a couple different game plans, and this one is no exception. You have the location synergy driven stuff and then you have the item synergy driven stuff but i think some of the best cards in this deck are just like the four cost characters in this deck between louie there is moana and there's the grandma tala the mid-range cards in this deck can just be really strong compared to the other starter deck i think so i like playing it I thought it was a little bit better than the other one. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. It's just trying to fit two different game plans into it, but it's a starter deck, so you don't really expect it to be that focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about it, Dana? I, so I'm going to admit that I actually liked the other one more, and we can get into those reasons next week when we talk about that one, but at least for this one, I feel like I agree with you in that you can tell that they were really trying to play into the whole item synergy but I just felt like those item cards that had to revolve around it just I don't know they just weren't strong enough for me like they added in Maui's fish hook as an item but you only have one Maui card and it's like you're trying to get something there but it's just not enough for that deck to even be there's a synergy obviously but then you're literally relying on one type of card yeah and the Maui has like two willpower so it kind of just dies easily so that combo isn't very good i do like the sumerian talisman as a card yeah that one was actually pretty good i, I do enjoy that one for yeah. sure yeah that can actually let you draw some cards like two or three and it's really not that hard especially considering you have a decent amount of reckless characters maui being one of them mm -hmm. uh the other item card was vault door which was not good in our experience, I don't think. <laughs> I feel like it was it was too slow. Like on by the time you get to, to that on turn four, I, you're wanting to play characters to the board. Yeah. Like you, you don't want to waste your turn with just an item. It sounds really strong in theory because obviously you get you know uh, resist for your characters that are there. But yeah, I just sorry that are at a location. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I felt like it was too late. Yeah, if you're putting this into playoff Scrooge McDuck, richest duck in the world, that uh, ability, then, you know, you get some free tempo, and that's reasonable. I think the whole point of this card is just trying to kind of mix together the item synergies and the location mm -hmm. synergies. Which was a whole new thing that we'll get into. Yeah. Absolutely, but it just doesn't do it in a meaningful way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just not the not thought. There. The thought was there, <laughs> but it was just not executed. <clears throat> but like you said, with starter decks, often I feel like 
they try to dip your toes in the water. Give you a little taste. Give you a little taste at the starter decks. So you go into it knowing it's not going to be very strong, but I feel like they could try to make them a little stronger. <laughs> like, I know that they're not going to make them, like, tournament-ready pre-con decks, but they could try to do a little bit. Like, if you're, they're trying to do synergy here with items and... Obviously, you're roping in all of the previous sets, too. Like, could have done Popsicle instead of Fishhook, which I know Popsicle was in the other starter deck from set two, but it's such a good card for items. Don't, yeah. You, you could do it over Maui's Fishhook because you have three Maui cards in it, so you're not going to even do it anyway. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, use yeah. ones that you're actually going to use. Yeah, they just wanted to put in another, a rare item, I think, and that was just one of them. I would have rather them put in, like, a rare location like the rls legacy because i think that one could actually be good and constructed but i'm not sure about maui's fish hook so yeah i don't know um i like this deck better than the other one besides the pluto stuff going on in the emerald amber one but i like this deck as a whole a little bit better mm -hmm. yeah what do you think of the locations the locations they were interesting. I thought Acrobat played out pretty well. It kind of actually was able to stick on the board a decent amount because you have enough characters with decent-sized bodies that you're able to control the board, particularly against the other deck. And it gaining two lore a turn really is kind of no joke just for a thing just being in play. Mm -hmm. uh, the Montanui, I don't really like the one lore locations as much i don't think they add enough and they're kind of slow and i don't think we ever triggered that ability on montanui did we no and we briefly talked about this card a couple weeks ago when we went over locations and you made the good point there where if if you don't want to trigger your opponent's ability of if they have montanui banish the location before the characters and so yeah, if you do it that with this one, then, I mean, it's just rendered useless. Yeah, and I think that's the case for a lot of the cheap locations uh, like this, is a lot of the time they'll just be ink and then have some upside later, but the upside of this later, like, if you play this on turn 8, then you probably don't need the extra ink, and you're only gaining one more a turn. Whereas with Agrabah, at least, that kind of feels like you're actually putting some pressure on the opponent. Mm -hmm. So It yeah. adds up quick. Yeah, it adds up quick. So I don't really like Montanui that much. Acrobat was pretty good. Uh, so yeah, what'd you think of them? Kind of along the same lines as you. I feel like Agrabah performed surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be because in my head I just thought like, oh, it's just like a card with no abilities. And so I didn't think it was going to be as surprisingly useful Especially when you got a second one out, I was like, nah, we're in trouble. <laughs> like, I'm in trouble. Yeah, these are kind of, like, harder to take off the board than what you might have expected. Mm -hmm. Because, especially with some of the more constructive playable ones, like, eight willpower on turn four is just you just don't have that much strength in play a lot of the time or if you do decide to challenge it maybe your opponent gets a good challenge back into your characters and you're kind of losing ground that way so that can be tough yeah even though montanui didn't play out as good i'm surprised that they at least gave like a quote-unquote 
non-vanilla location in this starter deck because the other one that we'll talk about later, um, both of those locations were vanilla. So, I mean, but knowing now how Montanui played out and how it wasn't even that strong anyway, I guess I could see why they would do that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess I was just, like, surprised. I thought that they would try to make them as equal as possible. But, um, yeah, I think the two lore for Agrabah really gets out of control kind of fast if you don't slow it down. I definitely realized that I have to be a little bit more strategic in when I actually play the locations because they're always able to be challenged. I made the mistake of putting it out the turn that I could play it. Yeah, you just put your one cost location out on turn one and then your opponent challenges it and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, so I definitely feel like it has kind of altered how we think about playing cards too because like you almost have to play them on a later turn where you have enough ink to maybe move characters there right away. Yeah, I think like if you're playing a bunch of one drop locations then you probably want a decent amount of one drop characters because you want to play to the board before your opponent in order to protect the location and you don't want the locations to be your first play so instead of having that as your main curve filler you actually will probably want more one drops in the form of characters to fill your curve as well so you'll probably have a lower curve deck most of the time yeah so when it came to this deck dana do you think any cards really stood out to you or for good or the bad yeah so i feel like i briefly mentioned this at the beginning but the whole maui fishhook thing definitely underperformed for me it was very underwhelming i also felt like the majority of the DuckTail characters weren't very powerful. Other than that, I think Moana performed pretty well. Yeah, so I really like Moana Undeterred Voyager a lot. Its body is really good for a four-cost evasive character as a 3-4 quest for one, so it's inkable. There is just a lot to like about that one. I liked Louie as one of the DuckTail characters. Mm -hmm. It's reasonably good stats for the cost, another 3-4, but it has support, so it has a relevant ability. But the other characters for their cost just didn't really feel a part of the Huey and the Dewey. Like, that whole synergy between them never came up because there's only one Huey. And, yeah, so I, I thought those underperformed for the most part. The other card that I thought performed really well in this deck, and it's probably not constructed playable, but uh, the Grandma Tala. You basically look at the top two cards, put one to your hand when you play her, and in the other starter deck, there's a Tinkerbell that has a pretty similar effect, but it's uninkable, it's smaller, so I was kind of surprised that they like have two kind of similar cards in the same curve spot in mm -hmm. the two decks, but one is just... I felt like substantially stronger than the other. Probably not constructed playable because Flavorsham is just a messed up four cost character. Yeah. But if you're not doing the item stuff, then I could maybe see it. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about how that card selection is, mm -hmm. if, if cards do that, then that is something to look out for and contemplate putting in or using if the card itself is good too. But yeah, I mean, definitely plays in that. Yeah, like three cost Maleficent sees play, and this character is granted only 
one strength and one willpower bigger, but it does still quest for one more, and it gives you a look at the top two cards instead of just drawing the top cards. So I could see it if your deck doesn't have very many other ways to draw cards. Yeah. I feel like one card that kind of got me out of situations and I did not expect it to because face value, it doesn't look like it's very strong or powerful, but Lady Marion, I feel like the card itself isn't that good, but for some reason, there were a couple of times where she helped me out a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of surprised me too. Yeah, her ability against other lower power decks just because like of course if you're going to be these colors your five cost character is going to be maui or what have you yeah um but for these games that we played lady marion performed surprisingly well just a big character that had an impact on the board immediately when you played her and quested for a lot yeah the the four and five cost characters in this deck are really where it really where it shines yeah Especially, I feel like, with playing it against the other starter deck, you had a lot of the, like, big booty bodyguards. Like, you had Pluto, and then you had Nani. And so this card kind of helped in those situations. And that's, I think, part of why I liked the other one is because it was annoying. When you were playing the other deck, it was annoying for me to have to deal with that. So Well, that's because I, like, shifted Pluto on turn four, and then you just couldn't beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's... <laughs> talk about that <laughs> pluto was really good on turn four yeah yeah but besides yeah besides that <laughs> that's real actually that's just really what it was whatever so um i figured since you absolutely love building decks and tweaking them and coming up with ways to kind of take what's been given to you and finding a way to make it competitive would you want to run us through both a budget upgrade for this deck and then also a non-budget maybe rebuild I guess if it's not too much of an upgrade but more a rebuild I don't know what you would call it but do you want to yeah I, I would just say it's a non-budget upgrade all right all right <laughs> all right so let's start with the budget one okay all right so the way I want to take the budget deck is in an item direction because so many of the item cards are just inexpensive and I want it to be very budgeted uh, and I think this deck came in right at $30 and like you already have some of the cards in this deck because you bought the starter deck right yeah so you wouldn't have to pay $30 in order to have this the full deck so that's one thing I really liked about it um, the first thing I did was I pretty much just took out all of the non-item synergy cards. Uh, so Simba, Della Duck, Kakamora, the Maui stuff, the Vault Door. That is an item. It just is not a very good one, I don't think. It didn't really fit the theme. The Fish Hook, which I think could actually be a decent card, but... The Good Maui is not really a budget card. It's like $8 or so. So I kind of wanted to steer away from, from that just to keep the budget down. Mm -hmm. Made Marion, Montanui, Agrabah, Hey Hey, Duke, Weaselton, Huey Dewey Louie, Flintheart, Glomgold, Voyage, and Grandma Tala. So 
like I said, just taking out all the non-item synergy cards. We did keep some of the better statted cards that are just like commons in the deck because like I said, I wanted to keep it under a reasonable budget. So we kept many, always classy, flounder, webby, vanderquack actually. And we kept the Moanas because I think that they could just be good cards. Other cards that we kept were the Scrooge McDucks, Gyro, Gear Loose, added a couple of those as well. As far as cards we added, we added Teeth and Ambitions because it's a pretty powerful uh, removal spell early in the game. It's also Inkable Dinner Bell because it's a really strong way to draw cards if you have characters with higher willpower, such as Hiram Flaversham. Popsicle to go with Hiram Flaversham as well. Scrooge's Top Hat is a card we added because we're going heavy items, and I think this card could be good, just reducing the cost of the items that you play. Lucky Dime, because I wanted an inexpensive monetary-wise finisher, and I think this one can really help rack up the lore pretty quickly. Uh, Bell's House, because again, once you have a character in there, your items cost one less, so you're not going to pay that 7 ink for the Lucky Dimes as often, hopefully. And Nick Wild, because I really want to rebuy the Popsicles. Yeah, you know what? For a $30 deck, it's not too shabby. Um, and if you're interested in looking at the full deck list, we'll post the link in the description of this episode. So if you're interested in that, feel free to go check it out. But I think it's pretty good. I feel like in the past when we've done starter deck upgrades, it's definitely been way more than $30. So kind of come out pretty cheap on this one. Yeah, here in Flaversham is just such a messed up card and it is <laughs> less than a dollar. So uh, it's just a normal rare. And that's kind of why I wanted to take this deck in that direction because I knew Flaversham was cheap and he's incredibly strong. One of the synergies that I like in this deck is that you can continuously just put Popsicle back on top of your deck with Gyro Gear Loose. And then once you draw it, you can play it to draw a card so you're not really losing out on a draw step, but it continuously gives you more firepower for your Hiram to help you continuously draw through your deck, right? It keeps you're, feeding into yeah, itself. You're, you're never running out of the items for Flaversham, which I really like. And then you're not also having to use Flaversham to get rid of the Sumerian Talismans, the Dinner Bells, the Scrooge's Top Hats. I do have to admit that Sumerian Talisman probably isn't at its best in this deck just because you don't have that many characters that are like really trying to challenge your opponents but it is an inkable item and can provide card advantage in certain situations by itself that's why I kept those two in there yeah and correct me if I'm wrong but your curve is pretty low with the exception of lucky dime you have a, it's a pretty low curve yeah so a bunch of one cost cards a bunch of Two cost cards as well, so I think that's going to make this deck 
pretty consistent just because you're never going to really have draws with multiple five, six, and seven cost cards just because there aren't that many in your deck. And I also kept the inkables at 15, which I know some people might think is a lot, but... Considering you and I run like 18 or 20 sometimes, sometimes that's, yeah. like, that's really low for us. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of card draw in this deck as well with the popsicles, and because you have some item reduction cost effects, whether it's Scrooge McDuck, Uncle Moneybags, or the Scrooge's Top Hat, you might not necessarily need as much ink. So Yeah, it kind of help save me money yeah well you know what i mean yeah although it, it although with the the whole scrooge i guess i'm gonna keep that yeah money yeah all about money <laughs> he is he's all about the money he's the richest money. duck um so yeah the curves low i think that'll make it really consistent i think one of the key points in this deck really is just gonna be mulligan to popsicle and flaversham as much as you can you want to make sure you have a good curve as well which you probably should have because the curve is relatively low mm. yeah I and like it. yeah so i think for a budget deck you do have some good removal the power levels there you can definitely win some games if you have a little bit more money that you want to spend on a deck i would probably add like tomatoas to this deck just because that card is an inkable finisher instead of lucky dime and provides card advantage and a pretty good clock so that's that might be the direction i'd go in so taking have... out the lucky dime if you were to yeah. do that okay yeah <clears throat> but yeah uh so next we have the non-budget upgrade which is arguably more fun <laughs> <laughs> I, I so it is i really like budget upgrades because they're like, I just don't play budget decks very often. We, I like playing more powerful cards, but it is yeah. fun. Every time every time the mailman comes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like, I also like when I have to confine myself to a specific... Uh, like restriction. It's yeah. a challenge. Yeah, when I have to have a specific restriction, so it really just gets my brain juices flowing. How to make the best of it. That's yeah. right. So... Uh, we'll go on to the non-budget upgrade, which is the location control deck. We're going in the other direction with this one. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So, here again, we took out most of the cards that aren't synergy-driven. That basically includes all the item cards, and we didn't have to keep really any of the generic static cards like we did last time with Moana, the four-cost Moana, and Webby, because... We're not a budget deck. We don't have that kind of... We don't have that restriction. So we didn't have to do that. And yeah, we just made this a pretty hard control deck. So the cards that we took out were the Deladuck, the Simba, Duke, uh, the Huey, Dewey, Louie, Flint, Hart, Kakamora, Scrooges, Maid Marian, the Fishhook, the other item cards... Cogsworth, Webby, Grandma Tala, the forecast one, of course, Moana, Undeterred Voyager. So just a lot of the cards that you would expect to to not be in this deck aren't. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty pretty straightforward. Um, the cards that we did add in first, we just finished all the the whole playset of the Moana Born Later. We're in a location deck. I think she has the potential to be pretty good just in the sense that 
you know, she can kind of protect your other characters by readying them, but also you can protect your locations after they quest because now you can challenge your opponent's characters as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's actually a pretty cool synergy. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah, then of course added Maui just because it's one of the best Ruby you can't cards. Help yourself. If you're playing Ruby, you're adding Maui to your deck. Hundred percent. Like it's just it's just the best Ruby card, I think. Or one of them. Added Voyage. It's a cheap inkable card that has location synergy if you need it. So going to RLS Legacy, for example, gives your characters evasive, so now your Maui's can challenge evasive characters just by paying one ink, right? And it they, makes they it get so, to take a friend. Yeah, they get to take a friend, and <laughs> your other characters are just way harder to interact with in that sense, so you can just kind of quest freely with them as well. Like I said, the RLS Legacy we added, Jim Hawkins, because... <sighs> so good. Yeah, he might be one of the best cards in the set. He basically lets you play a 4-ink card or a 3-ink card, like Agrabah or RLS Legacy, when you put them into play, so you get a cheat on that mana, and that is really strong, and then you get the effect from the RLS Legacy right away, because he moves directly to it. Jim Hawkins is super strong, and I love that. We added Milo Thatch, Spirited Scholar, because if he is at a location, then he is just pretty strong at challenging. He has four strength. Yeah, a four two at an inkable cost two is pretty scary yeah he becomes like gaston the reckless one yeah the same stat line same cost ink ability but this one can actually quest so and you can control when he's challenging so you can probably maybe get a trigger on the montanui if you're you know at that situation yeah and this is a deck that kind of likes montanui because it's either going to let you ramp your ink because you're playing seven and nine cost cards but if they're not questing and attacking Montanui that also just gives you more time right so you have more time to get to your be prepared get to your Hades and stuff like that because they're not getting to lore as fast mm -hmm. so I really like that aspect of the locations and control decks uh, again added be prepared just because it's probably the best control card Hades, Infernal Schemer, and Maleficent just as really powerful removal spells that are on characters, and Grandma Ramp. <laughs> Grandma Ramp. Grandma Ramp and Mickey Mouse Detective because, like I just mentioned with Montanui, we need ways to generate more ink to get to our late game. Yeah. And if we can play like Jim Hawkins on like a turn earlier on turn four and play an RLS Legacy at the same time, then you're, I mean, you're just so far ahead of your opponent at then because they're not going to be able to challenge the Legacy. They're not going to be able to challenge Jim because he's evasive. You're just going to be racking up the lore. It's going to be really strong. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the RLS Legacy is the strongest location? So I think it is the second strongest location. I think... Sorry, I'm kind of going off topic here. <laughs> no, you're good. I think the Queen's Castle is probably the best location just because that one is inkable and it fits right into the Amethyst Ruby decks mm -hmm. pretty easily and it lets you draw cards. So I really like that one. Besides that, I think the Bayou is probably going to be the third. Well, the Pride Lands and the Bayou might be 
tied for the third best just because the Bayou has like that combination potential with Beast Relentless. But I, I do think the Legacy is the second best. Yeah. Um, getting back to this one, sorry about that, but what is the uninkables of this one and your curve for this one? And how much is the deck, obviously not taking into consideration the cards that you're getting from the starter deck, but... Yeah, so the total deck value is $330, which is... Big difference. <laughs> pretty, pretty decent amount. $300 difference compared to our last one. We have 18 uninkables, which is, again, a pretty high amount, but... At the same time, we are playing Mickey Mouse, Grimatala, and uh, Montanui, which can help you get up in ink, so you shouldn't have that much of a problem. Yeah, and four of those are a song anyway, so, like, Hades can sing it. Yeah, yeah, Hades, Hades can sing Be Prepared, so you don't have to worry about that as much. And the curve, we have a ton of five-cost cards. We have Jim Hawkins, Moana, Maui, right? We have some dragon fires in here. So we have a lot of five-cost cards, but we also just have a ton of two-cost cards and one-cost cards. So you really shouldn't have to worry about the curve that much. All the five-cost cards, except for dragon fire, are inkable. So you're not usually going to get stuck with a lot of those cards in your hand mm -hmm. i do think it's probably important to try to mulligan to mickey mouse detective just so you can have that consistent ramp but i think jim hawkins and the rls legacy are pretty important for this deck as well and then like i said you just have a bunch of two drops so you you want to be able to play a card on turn two as well yeah so yeah the the curve seems pretty good only you know, four Maleficents, four Hades, and four Be Prepared. So you're only playing 12 expensive cards, and most of your other cards are inkable. So it, it should be pretty tolerable. Yeah, this deck is, I feel like looking at it, I would be excited to play it, but scared to play against it. <laughs> yeah, it, it can do some pretty sweet things. I am kind of excited to try Hey Hey Accidental Explorer out just because sometimes you might have two locations in play and you're kind of far behind on lore and then you just pay a few ink to move this back and forth between some locations and suddenly your opponent who is at 15 lore is now at 12 or whatever. And I think that could be a really strong application for this deck because it is going to be a little bit slower. But the thing that I really love about this is that, again, you're just playing a lot of locations, nine of them in this deck. And Be Prepared, I just feel like, is so good with locations because Maui is insanely good already. But now that there are locations, he threatens locations extremely well. Mm -hmm. And if... Your opponent's not playing Ruby, obviously they're not playing Maui, so you don't have to worry about your opponents really pressuring your locations after you play a Be Prepared. So you're just constantly gaining the lore turn after turn while clearing their board, and that seems really powerful to me. I agree. So. What do you feel like this deck might be missing? Um, well, the card that really wanted to play was teeth and ambitions that one's super good i think if i was going to play that i might take out a maleficent or two and 
I don't know, maybe like a Milo Thatch or two. But I kind of want to try the Milos first. Also, one jump ahead. I think this deck is kind of missing that one a little bit. As well as just some general card draw. This, <laughs> as you can see, this deck doesn't really have any ways to draw extra cards. So you're kind of just living off the top a lot of the time. Maybe something like the Grimatala that I took out of this deck could actually be playable in this deck because it fits the four cost curve where you don't have very many plays and it actually helps you draw some cards anyway. Like the only four cost play is the RLS Legacy and you're trying to combo that with Jim Hawkins anyway on turn five. So the Grimotala might actually be something to look into. But then again, you do have some powerful card advantage options that, you know, not traditional card advantage in the sense of something like Friends on the Other Side, but you have Be Prepared and Hades, Maleficent, and Maui, which can all provide the, the two-for-one effect that you're looking for a lot of the time. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Cool. Well, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I love deck building, so I can do this all day. Yeah. I know you do. That's why I'm always like... Hey. <laughs> want, want to build a deck? You want to build a deck? <laughs> I know. I feel like we put together a deck for me last weekend, and then like two days later, I'm like, I am so sorry, but I don't think I want to play this anymore. And you're like, that's okay. And you're like already getting the cards out, and you're like, so I do it. So. <laughs> I was like, I already built you the next deck I think you might like. Yeah, I was like, I think I want to play um, Emerald Amethyst. No, right. no, you're like, I think I want to play Emerald Steel because you were playing Emerald Amethyst. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I already built one for you. <laughs> I knew it. I, I, knew, it I knew you were going to, so I already did. Thank you, honey. Uh -huh. But yeah. Well, any other first impressions of this starter deck that you want to discuss before we wrap it up? Uh, nope. I'm just really excited to play with the new cards, uh, locations. Uh, some of them have been good, some are a little underwhelming, you have to expect that, they didn't want to make them too good, right? Yeah, uh, you've always said you gotta have bad cards for cards to be good. Yeah, you gotta have bad cards in order to have good cards. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just excited to deck build and play a bunch of different decks and try it out. Yeah, and you're competing in a online tournament this weekend, so good luck to you. I appreciate that, I'm really excited. I'm gonna play the deck that I built for you, I think. Well... Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck using the my deck. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> All right, everybody. With that being said, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun. Of course, I just talked a lot, so of course I'm going to enjoy that. But I hope that you took something away from it. If you're looking at either of these two decks and interested in them, we'll have them uh, linked in the description. That being said, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Yeah, have a good weekend. Have fun playing.